When we start a new book, we often like to give a kind of a background of it. The first verse says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. And that is true of nearly all the Proverbs. Chapter 30 has a different word in it. The words of Agur, the son of Jacob, as a different writer there. And just for a second, is it another one in chapter 30? No. And then chapter 31 begins with the words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. But nearly all the book is Solomon's. Solomon's book, Solomon's Proverbs, and attributed to him in, in chapter 10, in verse 1. It starts again, the Proverbs of Solomon. In chapter 14, in verse 1, well, not 14, 1, I made a mistake. First one this morning. Uh, oh, yeah, 25, 1. It mentions an unusual thing, kind of. These are also Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied out. So Solomon had so many wise sayings that they were still collecting him after his time in the kingdom was together. He said, why, why did we say Solomon is wise? Well, 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 31 says this, he was wiser than all men. We're talking here, Solomon's wisdom, verse 30, Solomon's wisdom excels the wisdom of all the children of the east country and all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than all men, than Ethan the Ezraite and He-Man. Now, I remember He-Man as being a, a toy that you could play with when you were a kid. It's a, a comic book figure, but I think this is a different Ethan, Ethan the Ezraite and He-Man, a different He-Man. Uh, yes, you looked a lot like him just then. That was very good. And Chalcol and Darda, the sons of Mahal, two different sons, both known for their wisdom. But Solomon is wiser than all of these, and his fame was in all nations spread about. And he spake 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. He was like his father David, very, very prolific in writing songs and proverbs. Besides that, he was a naturalist. Verse 33 says, he spake of trees, from the cedar tree that is in Lebanon, even unto the hyssop that springeth out of the wall. The hyssop's a little shrubby thing that you can use for a paintbrush, which they used for a paintbrush when they were painting the blood on the two doorposts and on the lintel at the first Passover. The hyssop that springs out of the wall, I think it probably looked like broccoli, I don't know. <coughs> he spake also of beasts, and of fowl, and of creeping thing, and of fishes. He handled animals, and birds, and creepers, and fish, everything. And there came of all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all kings of the earth which had heard of his wisdom. That's why we call him Solomon the Wise. <laughs> but not everything he ever decided was wise. The other side of Solomon's wisdom, his poor application of his wisdom, was in his home life, his marital life, because he had hundreds of wives and hundreds of secondary wives they call concubines. Dr. Hiles used to say, that's a whole lot of hoes hanging over the bathroom bar. I, I think that was funny when he said it. I'm not sure when I say it. Proverbs was written, collected together of Solomon, and probably in multiple stages. It 
it's okay. It's a book in the Bible. The Jews have never questioned it. We've never questioned it. It belongs here. It's different than every other book in the Bible I can think of in that you don't use the first rule of interpretation. What's the king of the rules of biblical interpretation? I say context is king. When you read a verse in Scripture, you need to look at the verse before it, the verse after it. You need to look at the paragraph that it's in. You need to look at the chapter that it's in. Want to switch me? There you go. Thank you. You look at the chapter that it's in. You look at the book that it's in and which testament it's in. And you search the context. But in the book of Proverbs, it is not always so. And you'll see that as we go together here. Now, I spent time, not just this last week, but over several months, a year or two ago, going through the whole book of Proverbs and sorting them, what I can, to my first draft <laughs> wisdom, by topics. And so I'm going to try to share with you this study in the book of Proverbs sorted by topics. And we'll get a start at it today and see how that works out. We'll begin in chapter 8 and verse 34, which is a proverb that applies directly to God's Word, the Bible. 8.34, scroll down to it. Wisdom cries in chapter 8. Wisdom is the speaker in Proverbs chapter 8. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. I think that speaks to personally spending time with God every day. It is not once a week. It's not Wednesday night and Sunday. It's daily watching at the gates of wisdom, hearing the wisdom from God, waiting at the doorposts. Wisdom continues, whoso findeth me findeth life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. I think that's a strong encouragement that if you are not, you ought to be daily, not just listening to a preacher somewhere, but daily getting into the word of God for yourself in an organized way, studying, praying along with it, pray before you read, pray after you read, pray as you read, Studying God's Word with a pencil and notebook or paper in your hand or a wide-margin Bible that you can write notes right in there. You said, write in your Bible? Yes, I said, write in your Bible. Don't destroy it, but it's good to use it as a workbook, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. So daily devotions are encouraged in the book of Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 3, in verse 1, it begins to speak more directly about the word of God. My son, forget not my law. Let thine heart keep my commandments. Why? For length of days and long life and peace shall they add unto me, unto thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Now there's a two-word summarization of what's in God's word. Mercy and truth. Somebody struggled, I think for a long time we struggled with that idea before Jesus came. 
God is love, God is merciful, and God is absolutely right and correct and true. How in the world can mercy and truth be together? But there is a psalm, I don't think I've got it right here. No, there is a psalm that says, mercy and truth have met together. Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. When I read that psalm, I said, that is at the cross. At the cross. At the cross. God's love and mercy and kindness and grace and his righteousness and truth and justness all could meet together because the Son of God paid for sins, took them on himself at the cross. God reconciled. In the book of Romans, it says that he might be just and the justifier of him that believeth in Jesus. Well, the, Solomon, if he's the author here, says, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. The word of God, it's all about those two aspects of God's character. Bind them about thy neck. You should have a Bible on a thong, and so it's tied around your neck. You can read it at any time. Write them upon the table of thine heart. I'm not going to insist on the Bible on a thong, but I do want you to think about what it means to write the word of God, on the table of thine heart. I think it's fairly obvious. I think it's plain. This is an instruction to memorize the word of God. Memorize it. Put it in so that you have it without having it open in front of you, without having to listen to it again. Memorize God's word. Write mercy and truth. Write the contents of the word of God on the table of thine heart. So shall thou found favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. This is practical instruction. This is not commands, thou shalt not or else. This is just practical instructions. You do this daily. You do this with mercy and truth and God's commandments. You'll have favor and good understanding, not just with God, but with man as well. This is practical. This is a good way to approach life. I t for a time, well, I was a pastor of a little church where a big day had 40 people in attendance. While I was there as a pastor, I supplemented my income by driving a public school bus. Public school children are not the same as, well, maybe they are, but they're, they're a little rowdy sometimes. Let me just put it that way, mildly. And they knew I was a preacher, but one day I said, I'm going to do the best I can to fix this. And I made some signs. said, if you want to have friends, be friendly. Another one said, treat others the way you want to be treated. He said, that's not exactly right, quoting that. I said, no, it's not. <laughs> but it wasn't fussable. <laughs> one kid got off the bus and came back on the next day. He said, my grandma says that's out of the Bible. I said, your grandma's pretty smart. Do you know God's word has an effect even if you don't quote it this word for word, God's word has truths in it that are true. And those two things, among others, that I put up on the, on the wall in front of them on the school bus affected those students a little bit. That was helpful. This is practical instruction. We're going to drop down to chapter 7 in verse 1. Again, an instruction about what to do with God's word. My son, keep my words Lay up my commandments with thee. Again, lay up my commandments with thee. I think this is a matter of memorization. 
And then obedience. Don't just memorize it. Do what it says. Keep my commandments and live, and my law as the apple of thine eye. What is the apple of your eye? The apple of your eye is the pupil. It's not a thing. It's an opening. But it's an aperture that opens and, and closes. Why does it open and close down? Why does it close down so much? To protect the sensitive part of your eye from overbright light. It closes down automatically and faster than you can blink. Your pupil protects your eyeball. Keep your law, keep God's law as the same as the pupil of your eye. It's a protection. It's a guard for you. Bind them upon thy fingers, write them upon the table of thine heart. Once again, tie a copy on, but more important, write them upon the table of thine heart. Memorize God's word. Memorize God's word. It's got a good practical effect. I drop down to chapter 13 and verse 13, a ways down the page as you go through the book of Proverbs. 13.13 says, Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed. Well, that wouldn't be good. doesn't say God's going to do it, but God could or the enemy could or your friends could. If you despise the word of God, there's a right consequence coming. But he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. Let's stop for a second on this word feareth. There is a phrase used often in Proverbs especially, but the rest of the Old Testament as well. It's called the fear of the Lord with the name of God spelled in all caps in the King James Bible, the personal name of God. We say Jehovah or Yahweh sometimes. The Jews respected and revered that name so much that they would not pronounce it except as they had to in their religious observance. He that feareth the commandment, the fear of the Lord is like the fear of a little child for his gigantic parents. <laughs> now, when I was little, I don't say I ran in terror from my parents, but if my parents spoke, I did listen. I attended to their instruction. I paid attention because they were much bigger than I was and because they fed me and clothed me and kept me warm at night and dry. And it is not a... It's not a different word than the word that means to be afraid of, but it is a word that has that other shade of meaning too, to be respectful and trusting and uh, very uh, the way a child should be toward his father, toward his parent. Fear. And that fear of the Lord is almost a synonym for faith in the Savior in the Old Testament. You should look at that sometime. He that feareth in that sense, the commandment shall be rewarded. Verse 14, in the same passage, the law of the wise is a fountain of life. It says it's practical. It says this will take you out of the traps, the snares, the catching places of death. You stick with the law of the wise and it'll be a protection to you. God's word. Chapter 19, as we skip along through this study of the Proverbs that touch on God's word, I think. Proverbs 19, and way down in verse 21, pardon my scrolling, there are many devices in a man's heart. 
Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. Well, that's a good thing. We have minds. We are made in the image of God. We've broken and tarnished the image by, sad, by fall into sin, but we are still the image of God with some degree of dominion over his creation and with some of his ability to know and think and understand and do. We are somehow in God's image, even though we're broken by sin. So in a man's heart, there are many devices, many things that we think through and plan out. We're living in a building here that has systems of electricity and plumbing and drainage and all kinds of uh, materials made used in its building that include and these panels on the walls, adhesives and, and wood products, yes, but also fibers. And we're in the midst of an accumulation of multiple devices from a man's heart. And they're good things. It's not saying that's wrong, but it does say the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. If you try to devise something contrary to God's word, his word's going to win. I do like the reference in the Bible, and it happens more than a few times, to the counsel of the Lord or the counsel of God's will. A counsel is an advisement, an advice. When God wants to give advice, he doesn't usually speak in your ear at night. He usually puts it in a book. It has been so for many hundreds of years now that the counsel of the Lord is the book. We are not waiting for another prophet to come. The counsel of the Lord, the book, the Bible is the counsel of the Lord. That shall stand. That shall stand. Two chapters, three chapters further, 22, the same verse 21. We have, that I might make thee know the certainty of the words of truth that thou mightest answer the words of truth to them that sent, send unto thee. The, that's in a question because he says at the beginning of it, have not I written to thee excellent things in counsels and knowledge that I might make thee know the certainty of the words of truth, that thou mightest answer the words of truth to them that send unto thee. I think a pastor would say, that's what I'm doing. I want them to know that the book the Bible is authoritative, is without a mistake, without an error. You can know the certainty of the words of truth, and you have an answer with the book, with the words of truth to them that send unto thee. Doesn't that sound right? Doesn't that sound like what Peter said in 1 Peter 3.15? Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You know the certainty of the words of truth and that from the Bible that you know and you know because it's, you know it's certainly true. You have an answer with the words of truth to them that send unto thee. Freddie might say, isn't that good? I think it's good. We've got four more verses about the Bible, specifically, I think, in Proverbs 28, 28, 4. They that forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. I am a little saddened to say this reminds me of my upbringing. 
I was, wasn't saved as a young child, but I was righteous because my parents were right people, and my grandmother got us into Sunday school and things, but I wasn't saved. But I grew up in a generation in the early 60s, through the 60s, where the wisdom of my generation was, if it feels good, do it. The wisdom of the world was, just do what you want to do, right? Might, I don't know. I thought, especially after I got saved, I should share this, but I thought, I can't fix everybody else, but it's enough that I will keep myself clean, if you will. But it wasn't. The generation I grew up with that used the drugs and opened up the alcohol and protested the war and made civil disobedience a popular thing, that generation is now the judges and the lawyers and the legislators, the ones making the decisions, and some of them are still right there where they were when I knew them, and they weren't right. So we that know the word, know the law, need to contend with them is the point of this. We have to stand up. I should have stood up more then. I hope we will continue to stand now. Certainly don't forsake the law. Don't praise them. Stand up. Contend with them. Chapter 28, just a few verses down, verse 7 says, Whoso keepeth the law is a wise son, but he that is a companion of riotous men shameth his father. Wisdom belongs to the one that doesn't just know the word, but keeps it. And don't, don't be tied in with riotous bad companions. Bad companions, evil companions, corrupt, corrupt good manners. Two verses further down, he that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. <clears throat> I'm not going to lay down things here that are not scriptural. Some people say, oh, that it's in the New Testament. We know that God heareth not sinners. Well, it is in the New Testament, but it's a quotation from a lost man. So don't, don't get too big on making your sermon development about prayer from that scripture. But God does hear lost people. He heard Cornelius' prayer before he was saved and went way out of his way to get Cornelius and his whole house saved through Peter's mouth. But for the believers, there's a warning here. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. Do you know when church and prayer meeting gets popular? When there's a plague or a war? We couldn't come together during COVID because they made the rules wrong, but prayer was happening. And as we get, I, I read a, an awful thing the other day. It said President Biden has avoided the controversy of civil war by getting us into a world war. Um, it's not funny, it's just scary, sad. There's a time when our prayer will be more and more necessary, more and more and more. But don't be one that tries to pray, yeah, I know God, I haven't been, 
I haven't been observing your word. I haven't been hearing your word. I've turned away from hearing the word, but I need you right now, please. Don't, don't mess with God. <laughs> Not saying anybody's doing that, but Proverbs 29, verse 18, two more. Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. He that keepeth the law, happy is he. That's the part I'd like to just dwell on. Get into God's word and do what it says. There's a blessing. That's, happy is just blessed. Blessed is he. Keep the law. Now, I'm not talking about binding ourselves as the church under the law of Moses, but I'm just saying God's word, it's right. It's where the answers are. Do what it says. There was a church I re read, this may be true or not, where this was the verse on their sign outside, just the first part of it, where there is no vision, the people perish. But the movable letter W had fallen off the sign. So it said, here there is no vision, the people perish. Beware that that's never true of you and your life and your church. The last chapter we'll look at here is chapter 30, in verses 5 and 6, this is not Solomon. This, of course, is uh, Agur. Verses 5 and 6 says this, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. That's good. Every word of God is pure. I would digress just for a moment. I have long liked this verse in Psalm 119, verse 140, and it takes me a while to get there because Psalm 119 is long. Psalm 119, I'm sorry, Psalm 119, verse 140. Wrong buttons. Scrolling very fast. Verse 140. Come on, little there. Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. That's the same truth that we found in Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God is pure. Every word of God is pure. It's reliable, we can count on it. And then it says, he is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. The Lord said to Abram, before he even had his child, he said, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. He says, I need a son to pass my, my stuff on to. He says, I am thy exceeding great reward. But he gave him a son. Verse 6 follows right along, verse 5. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. I try to teach what God's word says. I may offer illustrations and incidents to remind you of it, but the word of God stands. Every word of God is pure. Don't add to it. There's coming a time that he'll reprove those that do that. He will reprove. Now there are a few, I've got six here, some of them we've seen before, that specifically talk about memorizing God's word. 
Let me look at my notes, avoid the duplication. Proverbs 3.3, 3, we already looked at. Proverbs 4.4, 4, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 4. This is my father. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. But he said, I taught you. Now, remember what I said. Let thine heart retain my words. Remember, remember, let thine heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. This is memorize the instructions of your father. Memorize, I think, God's word. Chapter 4, verses 20 through 22 My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart. What do we have here? First, pay attention, attend. <laughs> Attending doesn't just mean you're in the building and got a seat. <laughs> That's attendance in some ways of looking at it, but attendance means you're paying attention. You're giving your thought process over to the presentation. Attend, my son, the father said, to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. You're focusing. You're pointing your listening device at the speaker. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Don't, you, <laughs> do you recall the cartoon movie called Up? There was a very faithful dog in that movie, very faithful, just loved the boy. But every time he's trying to do something for the boy and a squirrel goes by, the dog goes, squirrel, and runs off that. Keep your attention focused. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. My sayings, let them not depart from thine eyes. You should have these in front of you to see. When somebody is speaking God's word, you don't just incline your ear, but you focus your eyes as well. Keep the word in front of your eyes. Keep them also in the midst of thine heart. You could be listening. You could be looking at your book, and your mind could be on the game. And that's just not as appropriate. <laughs> if you're reading the text from your phone, which I tend to do, don't have the score pinned to the phone and keep distracting yourself by how the game's going. I was talking about the game. Some people think the game is important. I'm less sure of that. Verse 22, this is about the Father's words, the Father's sayings. They are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. In chapter 6, there's a similar verse to one we looked at before. In chapter 6, verse 21 still about memorizing God's word in chapter 6, verse 21. Verse 20 says, My son, keep thy father's commandment, forsake not the law of thy mother, bind them continually upon thy heart, tie them about thy neck. I think we might have read that before. I just missed the repeat reference, sorry. And chapter, and chapter 7, we did again do that before now that's the little topics in the notes today I started one more topic and it turns out it's a very large topic in the book of wisdom in the book of Proverbs and that is the topic of wisdom itself I laid all this out 
in a Word document, and wisdom took up six more pages. <laughs> so <clears throat> we'll begin today looking into the truths of the Proverbs about the idea of wisdom itself, and we begin where we begin, at the beginning in chapter 1, the point of the Proverbs, according to verse 2, is to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. We want to start with a thought of definition here. Wisdom is not the same as knowledge. Wis knowledge is, you know stuff. Somebody shows you how to thread a pipe or to put together a, a, a sweated brass plumbing fitting, and you can gain knowledge of how to do that. Wisdom is when you have that knowledge and it's under the control of a good sense. If you're trying to put two copper pipes together in an existing wall that's made of flammable material, it's probably not the best to apply the blowtorch right there to the... <laughs> You can, set, you can uh, get a new building project on your hands right away. Wisdom is knowledge under the control of good sense. And instruction, perceive the words of understanding, receive the instruction of wisdom, justice and judgment and equity. Justice and judgment and equity, these are aspects of wisdom. And I think we understand those words, but you see them fitted in your thoughts about wisdom these days? Justice. What is the American standard of justice? It is equal justice under law. That's the standard, whether it is applied evenly, I don't know. But that the idea is that nobody, because they're wealthy or have a high position, gets a different spoonful of justice than the poorest among us. Judgment and equity. Equity is a word that again refers to evenness. Evenness. To give subtlety. To give subtlety to the simple. Now we don't like the word subtlety so much because the first fellow that was mentioned in the Bible that was subtle was the serpent in the garden. But it does mean to have a good understanding, to be quick enough to understand it. The simple people, in the sense that's used here, are ones that don't have a natural gift in that. To give to the young man knowledge and discretion. Young people and those that are less quick mentally, the simple, need instruction, as do we all. My mouse is failing itself. I just have to use my finger. It's okay. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. A man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. Start with somebody that is wise, and they'll hear and they'll increase learning. A man of understanding will attain unto wise counsels. Again, I remind you, the word of God is the counsel of the Lord that he's given us. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. I'm reminded of the parables of the New Testament that the Lord spoke. Those are things that were given to teach and but yet to hide at the very same time. Those parables, they lay one thing along next to another. That's what the word parable means. But 
the lesson was only given to the ones that Jesus had had ears to hear. They said, why are you teaching them in parables? And he said, to you it's given to know these mysteries, these wisdom things, but to those that are our opponents, it's not given. It's, parables were given by the Lord to teach and to, at the same time to hide the truths he was teaching to the disciples. But here we can have the ones that are called wise men. A man of understanding can understand a proverb and the interpretation. The words of the wise and their dark sayings, and verse 7 gives the key. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Where do we get this knowledge? God's book, God's word, and our attitude toward him. I'll read that Bible. Sure, I can do that. It's a book. I'll read that. It doesn't have anything in it. I don't care about the Lord. No, it's the fear of the Lord that's the beginning of knowledge. Like many young children, I tried to read the Bible before I was saved. The night I got saved, I began to understand the fear of the Lord. I trusted him as my Savior and knew that the book was true and knew it was for me. And that night I started to read the Word of God and haven't stopped since. And it's a good plan. Don't stop. I was ignorant. The first time I read through the Bible, I did it 10 chapters a day, which is too fast. But I did it because I had started that way, and I said, I'll just do this. And so it was... very. You get less out of it that way. Started in January. By mid-April or late April, I was finished. And I didn't know. I did what I did with other books. When I finished reading them, I closed them up, put it on the shelf, went and got another book to read. I didn't know. Fortunately, that November, from April to November, I just didn't know. My spiritual friend got me back under the sound of God's word and said, no, you're not supposed to stop. You're supposed to keep reading. Yay, you read through it. That doesn't matter. Start reading it again and read it to understand it. Read it in the fear of the Lord. Read it with understanding. Verse 8 says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father. Forsake not the law of thy mother. They shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head. Chains about thy neck. Those are good ornaments. Chains are not like bondage chains, but good things. It's a good thing to get wisdom from God's word. In chapter 1 at verse 20, we have another introduction of wisdom as the speaker. Wisdom cries without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. Some people like to call this person lady wisdom. She represents God and God's word. She speaks for God in the Proverbs, lady wisdom. She cries in the chief place of the concourse, in the openings of the gates, in the city. She utters her words saying, God's trying to get the attention out in the world. And here's the words of Lady Wisdom. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Oh, but then I called, you refused. I stretched out my hand. You see the Savior reaching down toward the lost people? 
no man regarded. He saved others, himself he cannot save. You have set at naught all my counsel and would none of my reproof. And then when God laughs, it's a bad thing. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you, then they'll call upon me, but I will not answer. They'll seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. The turning away of the simple shall slay them. The prosperity of fools shall destroy them. And here's kind of a change in tenor. Whoso hearkeneth unto me, says Lady Wisdom, shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. There is an offer at the end of this of safety for those who will hear the appeal of God's word, the appeal of wisdom. And what is it found in? Where is this safety found in? It's what they did not choose, those lost people. They did not choose the fear of the Lord, the reverential trust in the provision God has made. Jesus died on the cross as God reaching his hand down to man, taking out of the way the sin problem. I held this up, I don't know, last week or the week before, and somebody took a picture with it right in front of my forehead, so it's, I've got sin in front of my face. It's a bad thing. But Jesus paid for the sin, and those that will trust in him, they'll find a place of safety. They'll dwell safely and be quiet from fear of evil, not only in this practical lifetime, but in eternity. Whoso believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, we're nearing the end of our time together here, and I'm getting used to the idea of how much I can and cannot do that's practical for you, so we'll modify our plan. The notes go on on wisdom for many Many days, we'll see what we're doing. I may choose one of the shorter topics, but understand, we're, we're going to study in Proverbs. We will never get all of it. How many Proverbs did Solomon write? Thousands and thousands. But there is practical wisdom in them, and we can try to sort them out and make it practical in our class together. Father in heaven, thank you for your word, the counsel of your will. Thank you that you've let us have it in our hands so that we can have confidence in knowing you'll never do anything different than what your book says. And we can share, we can first gain our own knowledge of salvation and eternal life from the promises in your word, and then we can share those things, knowing the sureness and the purity of your word as we go out and try to reach other people with that truth. In Jesus' name.